Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please make sure to take out your phone, scroll down, yes, please do it now, and leave a five-star rating or leave a review so that others can benefit from the amazing stories we share here. I would so appreciate it, and I know that those who haven't found us yet will as well. Before we start today's episode, I just want to take a second to thank you. In just a few short months, this podcast has reached some incredible milestones, namely helping so many of you. And you can see that in the reviews. From founding, growing, and selling my first company to now helping others to do the same, so many of you have trusted me not only here on the podcast, but also through my classes and through the one-on-one programs that I now offer. Your belief in me is so appreciated, and now I can help you grow your personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, all the amazing ways that I started Bump Club and Beyond, and that I'm starting this community right here, right now. So just click the link in the show notes. You can fill out the form and grab 30 minutes with me. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to learn about your business and maybe even have the chance to work with you. So the craziest part about today's episode is that my guest, Donna Rudolph, and I talk a lot about your network and the importance of tapping into it, asking questions, asking for help, asking for advice, really kind of asking everything of your network. Yet Donna and I are so connected and we are so in each other's networks. But before this episode, we had only spoken a few times. Besides the fact that Donna and I attended many of the same trade shows in the baby space when I was at my first company, some of Donna's best childhood friends are some of my closest adult friends. Having her on my podcast today meant so much on a professional and a personal level. Her advice for so many of you will resonate in a way that I don't even think you are expecting or you will know what is coming your way. Really and truly, she has a wealth of knowledge of entrepreneurship and She is the epitome of someone who has taken an idea, run with it, and she's done so well, she's had another full-time job. As a wife and a mom and a teacher who experienced the annoyance of cradle cap with all three of her babies, Donna Rudolph is the founder of Teeny Tiny Treatments, and she was determined to find a no-mess alternative to all the suggested remedies that came along with cradle cap. She couldn't fathom why something as easy like a wipe didn't exist. So what did she do? She did what so many of you guys have done, and she decided to make one. Within three years, she created the Noggin Wipes. Um, Noggin Wipes is the original wipe for Cradle Cap. These gentle exfoliating wipes are made with special avocado oil-based a special avocado oil-based mixture that alleviates the symptoms of Cradle Cap. 
Donna now works on developing other teeny tiny treatments that will help solve more frustrating baby problems for busy grownups, as well as hosting a podcast called Teeny Tiny Talks, where she gains insights from real parents who are also changing the world. She also hosts a short segment every month called Teeny Tiny Tips, where she shares her best tips on skincare, beauty, babies, and more on a budget. Honestly, Donna is a remarkable entrepreneur and a remarkable human being, and I'm so excited for you to meet her. So please come on in and meet my friend, Donna Rudolph. Okay, Donna Rudolph, here you are. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I think you have a story that so many of the people listening can resonate with. You have, you had an idea based on a need. You started a product. You successfully started a product and it's now carried in stores, but you also have a full-time job and you, you are really the epitome of an entrepreneur who is burning the midnight oil. I mean, if there's a picture next to that definition, it's yours. So I'd like to start with you sharing about tiny treatments, how you got started and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, Okay. So I had three children and um, baby number one comes out and he like within two weeks has severe cradle cap. My second child was born 16 months later, also severe cradle cap. And by cradle cap, I don't know if listeners know what this is, but it's like this, if your kid had it, you know what it is, but it's this disgusting, gunky, gooey, sort of waxy stuff that is probably caused by hormones. They're not exactly sure like what causes it in certain babies. I happen to have a theory that people who have darker pigments get it worse I don't, because I'm dark. I'm not sure if that's true. And I've tried to confirm it with my dermatologist. Just like, I don't know if that's true, but anyways. And then my third baby had it also. And I just kept thinking to myself because that whole time I was using boogie wipes for my kids to wipe their noses, which is a ridiculous product because I can just wet a towel and go get, a, you know what I'm saying? And wipe their noses. And I wasn't, I was buying them in um, mass quantities. Yes. I had boogie wipes too. Boogie wipes, they smell <laughs> so good. They're so delicious. And so I kept thinking to myself, why isn't there a wipe for cradle cap? Because until that point, um, in order to get rid of cradle cap, by the way, it smells bad. It looks bad. And in some cases, like in the cases of my children, it gets infected. So um, you have to saturate their head in oil and then take it off with a brush. And I was like, there just needs to be a wipe. It just needs to be easy. I don't have time. Like, I don't have the patience. I can't do this every night. Um, And so I thought, okay. It's a very arduous thing. It's not just like a once a week thing. It's like an everyday thing. Yes. And it's cyclical. It comes up over and over in certain kids. And I, my other theory is that many kids with cradle cap eventually get eczema. I think it's like probably a related skin type of an issue because all three of my kids also have um, some serious eczema. Anyways, so I thought, why not create a wipe? Like I should just make a wipe. Now, the thing about an idea is that I think that I get lots of ideas. Um, I think that what was lucky about this one was at the time, um, I had a friend who said, then just do it. Like, just do it. Then just do it. Like it, 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 it was like the difference between having an idea, talking about it for a while, kind of doing some research and then, you know, totally going into it. And this was like 
there was a leap that was taken as a result. Um, and she actually started out as my partner and I owe her a lot in that sense. I don't think I would have had the guts to do it, nor did I have the time, nor did I. So I'm, I'm so grateful to her for the beginning, because I don't know if I totally would have gone all the way if it weren't for her. So we started doing research. Um, we tested, I would say for like a year and a half to two years, like I was just making concoctions in my kitchen, putting them on different type of wipes, ordering all kinds of different fabrics that we could possibly putting it on. We had to do all this research on what is um, legally like what is legal in the United States in terms of materials, in terms of they had just passed a bill against, um, I forget what they're called now, micro, I forget what they're called. Those balls, do you remember that they used to sell like exfoliating um, yes. soaps with the balls inside? I forgot. Yes, what it was it microbial? Micro, micro, yeah, microbeads. They're called microbeads. Okay. Wow, this used to be in my lingo like eight years ago and now I've totally forgotten about it. So they had just passed a lot it was at the beginning of the Obama administration that those are totally illegal because um, because marine life were swallowing them and choking and it was a hazard to the environment. So I had to find a material that had microbeads on it that stuck to the actual material. So this was like trying to figure out all of these things. It's all so costly and you're like, is this really gonna work? So there were a lot of ups and downs with that. Finally, um, we found a manufacturer. We went back and forth with them for many, 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 many months. Um, we gave them our formula. Um, we hired a chemist to sort of do some testing for us um, and to do some rapid testing just to make sure there was a shelf life and that if a child were going to ingest the ingredients, they weren't going to die and, you know, all of those things. Um, and then we came up with a product and we just thought, okay, so we're going to launch like morons because we didn't know anything. Um, so we signed up for this big baby show called JPMA. I'm sure you've been there. Many yeah, times. I've been to like JPMA. I've seen, I've seen your people there or your old people, <laughs> um, at JPMA. And we were really lucky because we were in a section that was for um, brand new startups. And the president of Bye Bye Baby happened to walk by and he said, huh, this is really interesting. I've never seen anything like this. Here's my card. But um, as those stories go, it took like nine months of me stalking him to basically be like, hi, do you remember me? You really liked my product. Hi, do you remember me? You really liked our product. And finally, um, you know, we were able to talk to them and we cut a deal with them and it was great. It was- And per, per, your persistence paid off. Yes, my persistence paid off. I mean, I, I think I emailed him twice a week for like six months, but yes, it paid off. And every email was slightly different, um, but it was worth it. And I just, um, yeah, so that's that's sort of how it began. So, okay. I, there's a couple of things that I want to ask about this story. Okay. So you're a teacher. I'm a teacher. How did you know? I, I mean, obviously you were testing a lot of things in your kitchen and this and that, but how did you know where to source materials from? How did you know where to get a manufacturer from? Like, did you just Google? Like, what yeah, were the I steps? Had, I had no idea. I, I, you know, I don't watch television. I listen to a ton of podcasts. And I listened to um, How I Built This religiously. I've listened to it for years. And there's a section of How I Built This. Do you know How I Built This with Guy Of Ross? course. I love How I Built This. Okay. So there's a section in How I Built This called 
how you build this or something like that. It's like local entrepreneurs um, who are building, like have startups, right? They haven't, they haven't sort of become Sarah Blakely yet, but you know, they, they've got something going. And this one guy got on who was um, right out of college working in China. Um, and he said, I, he basically said, I sort of help um, match uh, people who are looking for manufacturers to the manufacturers. And I do the groundwork for you. So you don't have to come to China. And I thought to myself, I need to find him. So I did. I found him and I called him and I was like, I need you to help me. And he said, I'm not the right person because I don't really work with CPG products, um, but I'm going to hook you up with somebody who does. And so he introduced me to, I call him my in-between. His name's Fabian and he's fabulous. And he just does all that for me. I'm like, Fabian, I need this, that, and the other. I need you to help me find, you know, this. I actually also contacted the person who started Boogie Wipes because I thought maybe she could be a good resource for me. I stalked her as well. Um, I ended up hiring her as a consultant. She worked, she probably gave us three hours of her time, but it was so valuable in terms of, um, you know, you don't want to get caught with this. Like she taught, she was the one who told me about microbeads. I had no idea. I totally would have, you know what I mean? Like there were just so many things about sourcing. That and I'm, you paying that for her for that experience was invaluable. I mean, it, it saved the amount of money that you paid her probably yeah. saved you so much time yeah. and money down the road. Yes. And I think that's a really important lesson for entrepreneurs. I, I agree. Listen, I'm not saying that, you know, you should just buy the first package you see of somebody who says they're going to help you. But there are certain things that are totally worth spending money on. You have to spend it smart. Um, but when you do, yeah, exactly. I mean, she gave us it, it, you know, there were things about that experience with her that also, um, sort of, uh, put me off to getting into the white business, but yeah, it was a valuable, it was really valuable information. So everything that you just said to me in this story has been all really goes back to one thing, and that is your resources and your tenacity and your drive for wanting this product to succeed. Because, and I think that is really important to point out to people who have an idea, because a lot of times people have an idea and they get really caught up and hung up in the, but I don't know what to do with it phase. And you worked through that. Yes. I also think it's really important that you have to sort of in the beginning, just be happy with good enough. Like I didn't know, I thought the wipe would work, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And in fact, our first shipment that came, Lindsay, um, white, my wipes are saturated in avocado oil and they're sealed. They're vacuum sealed. Um, I, we flew them from China and they exploded. It's like, you know, you make up, like if you uh -huh. take a tube on the airplane. Uh-huh. So that oh was, that was a hard hit because <laughs> they came and there was oil everywhere, like all over the boxes. And then we realized, oh, we need to ground ship these and we need to ship them by boat. So every single, now when we manufacture there, so we have to also take that into consideration when we need things to get here at a certain time. I have to put them on a boat. It takes two and a half months longer than putting it on an airplane, obviously. Right. right? And then I have to ground ship. 
but that was a lesson you learned from yes. experience. And, yes. and, and it was costly. Like it was a costly lesson. That's just something you learn. And I think that's another thing you have to sort of go in like you're going to Vegas. You have to be like, I'm about to lose. And, and as much money as you think you're going to lose, you're going to lose double that amount of money, I would say. <laughs> Like if you're creating a product. Well, right? and so that that was my next question for you is you have a physical product, which is very different from me. I had a service. So my overhead costs were very different. And, you know, you're talking to me about, you know, your manufacturer, your, your resources, your, you know, your materials. I mean, these things cost money to your point. So how did you end up funding this? So I have a day job. I mean, I guess that's what I would call it a day. I'm a teacher. Um, and you know, this is the reason, like, it's so interesting. I, I watch also religiously shark tank and the sharks are very hard on people who have another job. And I want to say to them, you don't get it. I don't want an outside investor. I, I want this to be mine. Right. And truthfully, I do think some people can do it all. I'm not saying, yes, I'm doing it all. And I'm, but I don't watch TV. Like I don't waste time on social media. I'm super disciplined with the times that I'm working. I work hard and I play hard. My priorities in life are my jobs and my family. And that's it. Like I'm in a time period, like a time of my life where this is all I concentrate on. So from nine till three, I'm in my day job. And then I would say like, I've got an hour or two of dinner and helping my children. And then I'm back to work. And that's just like, I'm just in that phase in life, but my day job really pays for my passion project. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So your passion project, though, is more than a passion project it's now. It's not a passion project. I shouldn't it is. It's an actual business, and you are sold in Bye Bye Baby and other locations, um, other stores. So I want you to kind of give us where you are now. Where is the, Where is Tiny Treatments now? Okay, so we started out as just this one brand, which was Noggin Wipes. Um, and then, you know, also just like learning on the job, I started to realize that you just can't be a one hit wonder. And I actually love entrepreneurship. I love business. Um, and I think that because this really came out of a need that I had, you know, for my own children, I felt like 
I do have more to share with moms. I think a big part of um, sort of social media nowadays that really bothers me is, you know, I don't know what else to call it, but fake news, like Mm -hmm. everything looks great. And um, everyone is acting like their life is perfect and it's so curated and their babies are gorgeous and they never spit up. And these moms are so skinny, like postpartum. And, and I just felt like, I know that that's BS, but I don't think everyone else knows it is. And so I'd like to paint an easier picture. Um, And so I sort of transitioned into a brand, which is called Teeny Tiny Treatments. It was always the name of my company. Um, And what we do is um, I have this thing called Teeny Tiny Tips. Um, I'm very into DIY beauty sort of products and like taking care of your skin. And, um, and so once a month I put out a segment called teeny tiny tips where I just give a tip, like something I've had. My mom, um, is very into skincare and, um, she's Persian and she makes like all kinds of concoctions. And so I sort of grew up like constantly making my own face mask and doing like alternative things for like eyelash growth. And, and so I just thought, I'm just going to share that with people. Like I, I'm not looking to make money on it. I just think that's important information. Another thing that really makes me like my heart sing, I would say is meeting other people who are sort of doing what I'm doing, who are raising children, but are also hustling. So I have a podcast um, and it's a zoom cast as well. It's called teeny tiny talks where we interview people who are raising children, but who are also doing something sort of dynamic at the same time. And they are the ones raising the child. Like I'm not interested in the person who's, you know, at home raising the children while that is a very important job. And like, honestly, God's work. I'm interested in the person who's doing everything, who is worried about the social, emotional well-being of their children, as well as putting bread on the table. So that's what the podcast is. And, um, yeah. We, and then we have a new product coming oh, out. And I was going to say, and you have another, and you can say what it yeah. is. It will be out okay. by the time this drops. Okay. Um, so I created another product. I've been working on it for two and a half years. It's called Chappiness, but you sort of just see happiness and it's for chapped skin. So it's for anything chapped like that. So my children, for example, with their eczema, the top of their hands get extremely chapped in the winter under their eyes, their lips, noses, nipples. You could, it's also for a butt, like it's a salve. Um, and it sort of like goes in tandem with, um, noggin wipes. Um, I also wanted something that was very similar to aquaphor, which I love, except that aquaphor has a lot of preservatives and chemicals in it. So we've made this totally organic paraben free, um, gluten-free. I don't even know why people say that, but my, you know what though? It it is important because there are people who have gluten allergies who it's not just ingesting the product. Okay. That's great. It is topical. And and it's, and if you have a very serious like form of celiac or, you know, whatnot, yes. So it is, it is important. Interesting. That's cool. Thank you for telling me. So I I'm really excited about it. It's, wonderful. I and so it. when will that come out? So that's coming out in the next, it should be out at the beginning of the year. Um, my samples are coming in six weeks. 
And have any of the stores picked it up yet? So I I can't talk about it. Okay. One of my stores is going to pick it up. Um, It's just sort of in the works. We're, we're looking to get our samples out. I, I had an unfortunate incident. I mean, this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, but my Instagram was shut down. Um, I have never, ever bought a follower. I have never, like, I've done everything organically because I, it's really important to me to know that yeah. my followers actually like me and my products. I'm not interested in having like fake bots or whatever. Right. Anyways, I think as a result, sometimes when you engage too much um, behind the scenes, the algorithm picks it up as spamming. And so they just totally shut down our Instagram. So like all my followers and all my, so we're slowly getting people back, but it was kind of a Did you have to start your account over from scratch? It started from scratch. Yeah. Oh my God. We just started from scratch. And, you know, it's so nice. Like some people have found us, which has been really cool. And we've been in touch with some of those people as well, especially the moms who have blogged about us and um, those who have really like been loyal. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard. It's just part of the job of like being an entrepreneur. You get hit and then you just got to pull your pants up and start all over again. I mean, I had a day where I was like, I'm done. This is over. I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. But then, you know, you just sort of get over it. And you're moving forward, moving forward. Yes. So, okay. Let's talk about this. You have a day job and you have your, your company yeah. that is your night job Yes. and you have three kids and you have a husband. I have a husband. How do you do this? Well, it's really interesting. You know, sometimes it's an epic fail, truthfully. Like there are days where it's it's kind of bad. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is crazy. What am I? Um, but I would say 90% of the time, if I'm organized enough, it kind of flows. My kids are a little bit older in that everybody's in school all day. So that's already helpful. Um, now that it's not COVID, everybody is able to go to activities, which is also helpful. I would say the biggest blessing in my life is, um, I'm an Orthodox Jew and I am observant of the Sabbath. Like it means that from sundown on Friday until Saturday night, we, everyone shuts off all devices. Nobody's cooking, nobody's doing anything. And I am just with my family. And it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, I have like addicted, my kids are certainly um, no better than anybody else's children who are addicted to screens at certain points. I mean, you know, we have rules as to when they can be on them, but I mean, they're addicted when four o'clock now Shabbat is in so early because of the time change, (laughs) four o'clock hits. I'm like, you guys screens off. They literally shut like this. If that was, if that were a weekday, they would like ignore me. There would be some tantrum, especially with my four-year-old, you know, somebody would melt down. The second I say it's Shabbat, they like shut them down and everybody like just switches into this mode of, okay. And, you know, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that it's for everybody. And I happen to have made a life for myself where I live in a community where everybody else is doing it. And my children go to a school where everybody else is participates in the same kinds of things that we do. But it's 24 hours of our day where we are really focused on each other. And it's magical. 
It makes all the difference in my week. And so I feel a little less, I guess, guilty that I'm somewhat unavailable. You know, there are things sometimes my, especially my daughter, I have two boys and a girl. She's like, you're going again. Like you're going out again. You know, there are different social events I have to be at for business. And she's like, you're going out again and you're doing this again, you know, but I say to her, yeah, you know, mommy's doing whatever, but let's, um, you know, when she does say that, I'm like, let's figure out a time just for you and me. Like, you know, whether it be on a Saturday or on a Sunday or her and I just go take a walk, go get a manicure together, whatever she wants to do. And I really carve out the time for them. But again, there are days where it's, it's a disaster. You know, and, and I appreciate your honesty in that because to your point there, you know, with Instagram now with social media, a lot of people aren't willing to admit that. And most people's lives are a bit disastrous when you have kids and, and family obligations and work obligations, and you're starting to a business on the side. And, and, and that's just the reality. And so for someone to say that that's not the case and only portray, you know, a picture of perfection, you and I both know is not the case. Right. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. But one of the things that I, that I want to ask you about what you just said is, you know, yes, your daughter has these feelings sometimes of like, oh, are you going, you're going again. And my kids do too, you know, from time to time as well. But on the converse, how do you feel about what she's seeing you do? No, I I love it. I know it's important at the end of the day. I know that I know that she sees a woman who is strong and tough and resilient and sometimes messy, um, who sometimes gives them frozen pizza like for dinner, and that's just how it is, but also sometimes cooks. And gives them hugs, but sometimes leaves the house and they're with a babysitter. I think that um, I think that's something that I've worked very hard on is um, to always be honest with them. I tell her why I do it. I always say to her, Noah, you know, it's really important for me to build. I'm trying to build a really wonderful future for you guys. This is this is just part of it. You know, like your dad and I are just trying to, and it's also important for her to see that a woman can do anything. And, um, you know, I, I do think, I do think she really sees that. I think she believes she can do anything. She, at the moment told me that she wants to, um, do hair for a living. And I was like, great, that's awesome. You'll do mine. Like everything she says, I'm like, that's great. You know, I grew up in a house, like, I think because my parents were immigrants, you, you had to get a job that paid well. You had to go to university and then you needed to get a master's degree and you needed to, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it took me a long time. I would say until my thirties to be like, huh, I think I should just go and do something and take a risk on something I know nothing about because I think I might be good at it. Nobody told me I could do that. And I think she's watching me take a risk at something that I just kind of have an inkling about, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be successful at, but you just try anyway. But you already have been successful with this. Your product is one that I know when people use it, they love it. I, I mean, being in the baby industry for 12 years prior to this, your product came up time and time again. I, I mean, we were at many of the same events, oddly never knew each other, which blows <laughs> my mind to this day. 
And people love your product. Once they try it, they love it. And it's and it fits a need that many parents have. And I'm sure your second product is going to do the same. So don't say that you're you're trying to succeed. You've succeeded. So I think my question on that is if you're trying to succeed, what does that look like? What is what is that? That's a great question. I, I think ultimately. Um, I would like to have one job. I don't think I will ever not work. I think I'm just the type of person who I love working. I love it. I love people. I like the hustle. I like sales. I like, you know, that it's really interesting to me. I I happen to actually love teaching as well. Um, But I do think that the success for me would be doing one thing. And would it be this thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You talked a little bit before we hopped on today about outsourcing and how that's the name of your game. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs can learn from that. I think one, a lot of female entrepreneurs and women in general have a really hard time asking for help. And so that's kind of like the bigger picture, but then the digging down deep picture is I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that they can't hire people to help and do things because they need to have these big pockets, these deep pockets, and they need to be able to hire, you know, the CFO for a quarter of a million dollars a year. And I have used my example many times that like I hired a a woman who had an agency. She started her own agency. She had four kids and she didn't want to work in corporate America anymore. And so she was like a part-time CFO for multiple clients. And I was one of her clients and I paid her hourly and she did the job that I needed her to do. And for me, that was like an amazing way to outsource. So talk to me a little bit about your outsourcing and how it's helped you fill the void in your company. Okay. Um, So a few things. I, I, just personally don't like social media. It's just, it's hard for me. I'm not interested in looking at other people's lives. I'm not interested in shopping online. I'm not interested in, it's just me. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, when you have a business nowadays, you really have to be in that game and sort of promoting yourself. And, um, and, it was sort of gnawing at me and the part of my business where I, I kept saying to my husband, I just wish I had a boring product that was like tech, like I was selling some computer chip and nobody knew who I was. And, and he said, why don't you hire someone to do that for you so that you're not right. Um, so I hired an assistant and I trained her, I trained her for 30 days. And I said, this is my brand. This is what I." Um, this is my personality. Like these are the things that I taught her. This is my personality. This is the kind of thing I would say. These are, um, these are sort of my ideas. I need you to run with this on my social media. So, um, you know, like whenever we're posting something or anytime I do a podcast or I sort of give her the theme of where I needed to go. And then I'm like, you put it out there, you post it. I don't want to look at it. So I don't even know what's going on really on my social media. She puts it out there and she takes care of it. And it has changed my life. It has changed my life. Um, Because for me, social media like takes me down. It, I, you know, 
I play a game. And it was something you worried about, right? I worried about it. Yes. It was something I was always worried about. How do I look? How do I, I actually don't even care what I look like anymore on social media. Like she puts it out there. I pretend like it's not really (laughs) happening. Um, And the point is that I'm trying to get out a message. I'm trying to get out my product. I would get lost in like looking at other people and especially other people who were perhaps selling a product similar to mine, compare myself. Like I just don't have that anymore because also I think something you learn is that it's not you versus them. It's you versus yourself. Like that at the end of the day, it's you against you. hundred percent. That's, that's like sort of the magic. You are your own worst enemy. You are your own worst enemy. And, and when I started focusing more on me and the product and not looking outward, my sales went up and my, I don't know, there was something about it. It's like a magic sauce of like not being so involved in that way. So that outsourcing like made all the difference. That was a huge deal. I also have now a co-packer. So somebody who, when we have a big order, just packs it up for me, sends it out. Um, my, I have an, I have two assistants. They do two different things. I have another assistant who's just in charge of engagement and sending out samples to mommy bloggers. And you know, that, that engagement was also hard for me. It was time consuming. Well, and that's a really important part of your business. Yes. It's a very important part of my business is just getting the word out, especially when you don't have a $250,000 marketing budget. Like I am my own marketer. So we just have to, we had to figure out ways to do it organically. So it was so much cheaper for me to hire somebody to do it rather than a company. Like I know what to do. Ultimately, if you do enough research, if you read enough books, if you listen to enough podcasts, you're like, oh, I sort of get the, how this is working. I just need somebody to do it and I can't do it. I don't have time. Um, so that's really helped. So talk to me a little bit about you don't have a huge giant marketing budget and sampling is very important for a product like yours. I mean, a product like yours needs to be used so that people can see that it works and then they will go buy it. So talk to me a little bit about your marketing strategies and how you've gotten the word out there and steps that you've taken that other people could apply to their business to help them market their own products or services. Okay. Um, so I, um, I, 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 every time I meet an entrepreneur, I just grill them for like ideas. What are you doing? What is your marketing strategy? What is your, and also like just from doing enough research, um, so many people's websites have like a million testimonials and plugs and I've been on the today show and I've been at, and so like you, you, you know, start to put the thing, the pieces together and you're like, Oh, they must've paid somebody to get on there. This is obviously like a sponsor, right? There's somehow, so how am I going to do that on my own organically? So I read an article once that said, really, while social media is great, what people actually end up buying from our emails. So everything I do in my marketing, I send out a newsletter once a month. Um, It's just to generate email so that I am on the radar of their inbox. Mm -hmm. I would say that was the biggest secret, right? Like the best kept secret is that I'm on the radar on your inbox. Also, you know, one of the reasons why I started my podcast, which I actually 
love. Like that, that to me is so interesting. I love speaking to people and I'm really interested in other people who are sort of doing what I'm doing, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that they also have followers. So those podcast people are handing, you know, um, sending out the same messages to their people. So it's, it's all about being on the radar. It's like, you just want to get yourself on the radar. So I would say my biggest tip is get yourself on everybody else's radar. And you just sort of have to, you know, I, I mean, in, in my world, I just pretend like nobody really knows who I am and I'm hiding. I guess people do know, but I'm just not part of it. I ignore, I ignore <laughs> the fact that I'm on social media and that, you know, people can see me and hear my voice and know my name and all of that stuff. But you know, somehow it works. Like people are passing, people are also sharing with their followers. Um, you know, there's this product, this woman interviewed me, her name's Donna Rudolph. She has this this company called Teeny Tiny Treatments. And then they send it out. And if they have 10,000 followers, like that's really the name of the game. A hundred percent. And I think that is such a good tip because to your point, you do not need to have a million dollar marketing budget to get on people's radars. And it's about being strategic and being resourceful and utilizing people who are in your network and in your space to help share your message. And you've done that so brilliantly. I mean, really so brilliantly. And I know early on also, I mean, pre not early on, but pre-COVID, you did a lot with various baby shows and whatnot to get the word out. And that I'm sure helped as well. And you are a good networker. Right. And I think at the end of the day, you are an example of the fact that your network is key. It's key. It's key. It's everything. It's everything. It really is. And you just have to sort of say to yourself, I mean, listen, I guess most people are not shy in that way, which is wonderful. But if you are someone who's like me and doesn't want to be sort of exposed, you have to get over it. (laughs) If you have a consumer packaged good. You just do. It's not even just a CPG. You have to get over it. If you have a service, if you're offering yourself, I mean, you have to get over it. If you have a business because people want to buy human connection and you are the face behind your brand, you have put yourself out there. Maybe in terms of social, it's not your favorite part of it. And you're not as you specifically are not as engaged, but you have your podcast and you have your emails and people know who you are. And there is a person behind teeny tiny treatments. It's not just this product that's coming out of a factory. It's a product that came from someone who had a need and she knows you have that need too. Right. 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 So I want to be mindful of your time and I want to just kind of wrap up with the, with the question that I I've been asking all of our guests and really, and truly that is what are the three things that you would advise someone who's starting a business recently started a business you know, three lessons that you learned from your experience in developing your brand? Um, My first thing is just jump in, jump in, just like dive in, even if there's no water, do it. Um, Because there's a momentum that happens with that. And um, again, I think many people have really good ideas and they just never do anything with them. So just dive in. And I also do think in some ways, like, those ideas are divine on some level and they come to you for a reason, go with it. Um, that's the first thing I would say. Uh, the second thing that I would say is, um, be a giver. Um, whenever someone asks me for advice or needs something, or if someone needs free product and I can give it, I just do. I think that 
it, it always comes back to me tenfold. It's so important to be a giver, like just offer your services. Don't be someone who's like not sharing information. If anyone wants to know anything about my product, like, you know, and privately, I would happily tell them about sales and I'm happy to share. I just think it's helpful to other people and there's enough to go around. It's an abundant universe. This is not, if I have, then you won't. Um, So share and share ideas. Thank you for saying that because I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, that's major. And then um, number three is, you know, forgive yourself. Like there's going to be a lot of pitfalls and just think of it as part of the story. Um, There's so many times I would say even in a day where I'm like, this is such a stupid idea. I should stop, (laughs) you know, and then you just sort of pull up your pants and you're like, okay, if there's still something in you knowing, if it's not a hell no, keep going. I love that. I love, love, love that. Donna Rudolph, thank you so much. So much, Lindsay. For being here and for sharing your wisdom. For those of you who are listening, we will link this in the show notes, but you can find Donna on Instagram at Teeny Tiny Treatments. And her website is also Teeny Tiny Treatments. And by the time this airs, your sophomore product will be out. And we can hopefully talk more about that. I'm going to make you come on Instagram live to talk about that the week that your podcast drops. Um, But I I really appreciate you sharing your information and your wisdom and for being so forthcoming because I couldn't agree more that people need to share more in order to help each other more and lift each other up more. And I I especially feel that way about female entrepreneurs and we all have something to learn from one another and exactly what you said like your success has nothing to do with mine and we can only help each other out so thank you for sharing that um have a great rest of the week thank you you too and thank you again for being here i told you donna is a remarkable human she's a remarkable entrepreneur And she had so many amazing tips in today's conversation. I hope that you are listening. I hope that you are taking mental notes. But now, you know what time it is. Donna had so many takeaways. So get out your pen and paper and make sure that you write them down. Here we go. Number one, persistence pays off. If you have a contact and you know that you can make a viable connection, keep at it. Number two, if you find someone you know can add value to your business, hire them to help you. There are people that are worth hiring and they will help you move the needle forward. Number three, in the beginning, just be happy with good enough. Number four, go in like you're going to Vegas. As much money as you think you're going to lose when creating a product, you are probably going to lose double and you need to know that going into it. Number five, always be honest with your kids. Tell them why you're working so much. You're building a future for for them and that is okay for you to let them know. Number six, outsourcing the things that you don't love will change your life. For Donna, this was social media. It brought her down and she worried about it. So she hired someone to do it for her and it's changed her life. She's never looked back. Number seven, at the end of the day, it's you against you. You are your own worst enemy. When you start focusing on your product and yourself, your sales will go up. Number eight, when you meet other entrepreneurs, ask them questions, grow them on their strategies. That is okay. Number nine, it's all about being on the radar. Get yourself on everybody's radar. That's the biggest and best marketing tip that Donna had to offer today. Number 10, your network is key. It's everything and you have to tell yourself to get over it when it comes to putting yourself out there in the universe. You have to put yourself and your brand out there. Number 11, many people have really good ideas and never do anything with them. So just dive in and go with it. 
Do what you can to make it happen. Number 12, be a giver. It will come back to you tenfold. It's an abundant universe. Just it's an abundant universe. Just share. Number 13, forgive yourself. There will be pitfalls. Just remind yourself that that's part of your story. If it's not a hell no, then just keep going. I cannot thank Donna Rudolph enough for being here and for all of you for listening to our conversation today on Dear Founder. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure you take out your phone and click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us. We have some incredible guests coming up. So while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify so that you don't so that you don't miss a single episode. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Donna or who has an amazing business idea or who has already started a business, text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Make sure to tag me. I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.